This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusader for law. Hey everybody, welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange, I'm Sal. And I'm Joel. Yeah, that's right, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is a comic book and comic book ancillary show where we take a topic from for about an hour and hash it out. Uh, today's topic is, incidentally, uh, comic book documentaries. Mm-hmm. You may not know it, but there are actually quite a few, like cerebral films that delve into the industry or aspects of the industry that are out there uh, for public consumption, by the way. Oh, yeah. Easy to find. Uh, Great topic idea. That was uh, Joel's pick. He was like, hey, let's talk about these. And I'm like, I don't know if I've seen enough of these. And then I realized, like, no, I've actually seen most of these. And I want to talk about not just, like, the fact that there are comic book documentaries, maybe talk about some of our favorite documentaries, but more... Uh, where they're going and kind of like the future of the comic book documentary and their mm-hmm. impact on the industry itself. So, I like that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, before we do jump into it too deeply, I want to talk uh, about how this show is uh, sponsored, more or less, by you, actually, by participating in the thing called Super Chats. If you uh, drop a little scratch, you get to participate in the show live as it happens uh, ask a question mm-hmm. make a comment use the super chats and we'll be able to read it here on the show we'll be doing it organically it's not going to be a thing where i like just hit the brakes i used to do that where we'd hit the brakes and we'd never go anywhere uh so we try to make it a little bit more organic but uh you know make it more conversational like adam asamoa here who's just dropping some bones helping us out very much thank you hey. uh keith blackwell just wanted to ask a random question do you think peter parker would wear vans or converse Oh, I don't know enough about shoes. I'm not a, enough of a sneakerhead to properly answer this question. I will I will answer it as a Spider-Man fan and as a shoe connoisseur. Uh, I will say that Vans are cheaper than Converse, so he would go mm. with Vans. Peter Parker would practical. simply go with the cheapest ones. The problem is, though, uh, the investment. Converse are more durable than Vans. Vans fall right the hell apart, as I have experienced. Like, they didn't last me more than six months. Um, I'm seeing a whole new side of you, Sal. I had no idea you were so knowledgeable about shoes. I respect this. I used to be a New Balance guy, and uh, you know, so I I never like looked back. But then I realized like so many of my peers were wearing like shoes that complemented their outfits, and that they were mm. like like. And I was like, well, I'm not Mister Rogers here. I'm not going to swap <laughs> shoes every time I do something different. But uh, uh, you know, I did have a pair of dress shoes, and I you know, so I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. And uh, so I dropped some 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 cash on some Vans was a waste of my money because those things fall apart like nobody's business. Um, plus, then That's you get the whole Kevin Smith allegory. Kev was very into Vans for a while. Um, <laughs> you know, it would be really funny if Spider-Man chose to wear DCs. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I, nowadays, I would assume he would go... Necess- like, I think he'd probably go Vans just because they're cheaper, and he's not mm. like a long-term planner. You know, no, like, never. If he was choosing between the two of them, Converse probably makes the most sense because like, they're more durable even though they cost a little more, but, you know. I mean, if I were him, I'd just, like, ask Reed to whip up a pair of, like, dark-colored, unstable molecule sneakers. Absolutely. So, that's what I would do. I feel like this is a topic in and of itself now. What consumer products would our favorite heroes use and yeah, why? Exactly. Uh, and as if Sayed helping us out. Thank you very much, uh, as if. Uh, so, yeah, jumping into them. Um, 
we want to talk a little bit about comic book documentaries. It's funny. Um, I was in preparation for the show. I was taking a look at the um, Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics, which mm. isn't so much a movie as it is a series. Yes, and one of the newer ones too. This is only from 2017. That's right. Uh, by the way, uh, Joel, you you made a observation about any of the ones we're going to mention. Um, they're all pretty much available for you right now. Yep. Just go on YouTube and look up these names and you'll be able to find them. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. It's and it's, it, it's, it's worth your time. It's worth a Google. Yeah, right? Uh, well, not even. Just, just when you're done with this episode, just type it in into the search bar. Boom, you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a, as I understand it, well, six-part documentary, I guess, or a series. Um, I, it's funny. The first episode that I caught was like the kind of like the history of the Stanley Jack Kirby rivalry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And for me, I'm like, how? What does it do with with Robert Kirkman? Like, is it just Kirkman producing the show? Is it Kirkman like? It's you know, it's, it's he's lended his name to it and his clout. He doesn't actually show up in it. I mean, I think he shows up a little in some of them, but no, it's not like he's hosting it or anything. It's just his name attached to it. Which, geez. That goes to show how much Walking Dead money and clout he has that he can just attach his name to it. Yeah, right? Um, he's, he's like a broken lizard or a national lampoon. I would go with national lampoon over broken lizard just because broken lizard, not so much a, a really strong brand. <laughs> I mean, they used it like it was a thing. Like, I remember when Super Troopers came out and they were like, broken lizard's Super Trooper. I'm like, okay, I don't know what either of those things are. <laughs> and... You know, the more of those movies like Club Dread and mm. and Slam and Salmon came out, I'm like, okay, you may want to just retire that name because like <laughs> letting people know that that's who made these movies is only going to be an indicator that it's probably going to suck. <laughs> what I like about Kirkman lending his name to this, and I think it's something no one actually talked about when these are coming out, and that is, oh wow, Kirkman is independently wealthy in the comic book industry. He's not beholden to Marvel or DC, so when he talks about these things. This documentary series doesn't have to, you know, uh, be biased one way or another and try and make one company look better than the other. And I think that's something truly unique about this, because all the other ones, you kind of know who was putting up the money for this or who they didn't want to tick off. Oh, you mean Disney legend Stan Lee and what pff, any documentary yeah. about Stan and Jack might be? They're both, by yeah. the way, quote unquote, Disney legends now, um, which, they by sure the way, are. they're not like the, the Disney legend moniker isn't like. They've always been working for Disney, and they're always been above. No, it's just it's a it's a title. Yeah, you know, like anyone who creates something for Disney that is like influential or important, um, or is ac acquired by Disney, they get the, mm. they get that title. So if uh, if I worked for Maker back in the day and made a really good YouTube video, could I be a Disney legend? Right? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Thanks for the honesty, Sal. I appreciate that. Nah, nah. No. I don't think PewDiePie is a, is a Disney legend, and he started out with Maker 2. That's true. And he would be, if anyone was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but the, it's funny because Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics, the first episode is about Stan and Jack basically forming Marvel Comics yep. and the humble beginnings thereof. Uh, the, the And this will kind of, like, we're going to talk about a little bit about, like, what makes of a documentary and, and, and what the subject matters can be about and what we kind of look for in these documentaries with this one obviously not a movie it's a series so like they can really like get into it a little bit more specifically uh they can take one topic hash it out for like half an hour to an hour um, yeah 
they get a lot of like pundits and uh, personalities. Sure uh, do. They ask them a lot of questions about it, and then they kind of like can select what elements they want to use to to kind of promote their narrative. Incidentally, like you said, you know, Kirkman has no vested interest in like preserving the integrity of the Stan and Jack relationship or making nope. Stan or or Jack look better than the other. Um, and certainly, there are enough people within the documentary and, of course, within the industry. It, to 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 work for both sides, which they yep. do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. If you if you watch it, it's actually kind of uh, kind of fascinating to see like who is absolutely like on on Team Jack and who's on Team Stan. Everyone has their camp. Or at the very least, who is like kind of like I don't really know. I've always kind of just assumed it was Stan, you know, like or Jack. Um, but uh, but the personalities they got in there are pretty interesting. The ones that are most telling are the ones who were there. Yeah. Like Jim Shooter's there and he's talking mm. about how like he saw Stan and Jack at like a at like a, a function. This is going back a few years, but not like as many years as you think. Like it wasn't in the seventies, it was more like in the nineties or the two thousands. Um, where he talks about this uh this encounter where like Jack Kirby was invited. It was it must have been the early nineties because Jack Kirby passed away in ninety seven. So but anyway, in the 90s or 80s, where, like, uh, Stan and Jack are, like, we're both clandestinely at this function that Shooter invited them both to. Um, and Stan, like, <clears throat> embraced him, chatted with him, and uh, and then invited him to, like, work together on something. A and, story I had never heard of. No! And, and, and Jack's wife being like, F no, and they left. Not Jack Kirby saying no, Jack's wife saying no, and then the, the two of them just the- kind of, like, leaving the party. The, the woman whose personality would be the basis for Big Barda, for those who are wondering. Which, uh, yeah, um, makes sense. Uh, it was really telling. And by the way, the, some of these documentaries are fantastic for giving you insights, not just into the industry, but insights into, like, ghosts from the past. There's yeah. a great story in there about how uh, Stan and – about how Jack was being interviewed on the radio on a New York show. Mm-hmm. And then Stanley called into the radio show – like he would do. Right, and the two of them would, like, hash it out, kind of. And it's fascinating to hear, and I, like, you know, from that, I would follow to, like, get the actual transcription, or at the very least listen to the whole thing, because it's mm-hmm. way more interesting to hear these two talk to each other. Because you could tell they hadn't for years. Oh, yeah. And I think Stan, you know, being a businessman, whereas Jack was more of, like, an artist. Oh, yeah. Uh, and not to disparage one or the other, by the way, I'm just saying... You, like, you, need, you need both those things to succeed. Well, yeah, and we'll, we'll segue that into another episode, another series that I saw recently, or saw years ago, and then reminded myself of recently, that says that whole thing, that, that, that embodies that whole concept. Um, but, uh, but to hear Jack and Stan talk, like, you could tell Stan was like, I'm not going to let Jack control the narrative of this yeah. interview, even if the interview is about him. <laughs> Which is so kind of like you know shrewd and horrible but it's also kind of like funny and like stan like very um, much so but yeah uh but that's that's fascinating and it only goes deeper that's the thing you get this like bomb of an episode where you're like holy shit like this is kind of like a great kind of like fair mm. and even-handed depiction of both oh yeah and 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 now we'll go into further discussion you know and it's and and from those you get a lot of really interesting stuff there's a there's several other ones in this series that I quite enjoyed. Uh, City of Heroes, which was the fourth episode, doesn't actually talk about the game City of Heroes. It talks about uh, Marvel's connection to New York and you know how 9/11 changed a lot of stories and everything. That I thought was a really good one because I feel not a lot of people really talk about that. How 
Marvel was born in New York and how it's always been about New York. Yeah. Uh, now, it's funny because, like, being from Jersey and having family who are all from New York, I knew that growing up. And what I learned much later on in life was, like, that's that's not how the rest of the world operates. You know, like, mm. that, for a lot of people, like, you know, they'll never get to go see the Ghostbusters firehouse. They'll never mm. walk Bleecker Street. And this was kind of like a world that I was intimately familiar with and took great uh, you know, kind of like advantage of, uh, but this documentary or that episode in particular does a great job of distilling like it is intrinsically New York. It's why like when DC left and went to Burbank, people were like talking about like will will Marvel do that too and and like how will that change everything? God, I hope not. I mean, Marvel. It's funny, Marvel and Marvel Studios couldn't be more disparate and and different. No, um, really not, yeah. And it's funny, because, like, the best way to kind of, like, think about it is in terms of, like, this. Like, Marvel Studios is, like, Iron Man's house in the movie. Mm -hmm, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's glitz and glamour, it's pretty, it's warm, it's, it's California. Mm -hmm, Marvel mm -hmm. Comics is Peter Parker. I'm in the mud, I'm in the dirt, it's, it's cheap. Like, it's raining. If you've ever been to Marvel Comics, which I have, uh, it is not as glamorous as you might imagine no, one it of really the isn't. top publishers in comics would or should be. Like, I've actually been to a couple of publishers in New York, and... Mm -hmm. I've been to one. We yeah, were at exactly. the same one. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that one was smaller... Oh, yeah. ...than Marvel, but, like, I imagine that Marvel doesn't look too dissimilar... The only the only assumption I make is that there are fewer comics at Marvel Comics than mm. there are at like other publishers. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see like that whole like a, a segment of that show being dedicated to like this identity that mm -hmm. you like really don't think about unless you're either like part of it or you're outside of it. Yeah, totally. Uh, the other one I really liked was uh, The Color of Comics, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before. This one uh, talks about the struggle of African Americans in the comic book industry for representation, and eventually the big focal piece of this episode is, of course, Milestone and how it took the world by storm and changed everything. And wow, what a great, happy story they have with all the remaining uh, yeah. people who worked at Milestone. But oh boy, does this episode leave a bitter taste in your <laughs> mouth at the end when you realize that ooh, Dwayne McDuffie's widow and a state holder are suing all these guys now because they went behind her back to try and get another milestone deal put together. And I'm like, oh, I fell in love with you with this story and you guys, and now I hear this and now I think you suck. Yeah. Well, I'm amazed that they actually went ahead and like made that episode and or that it's like that they went that deep in, in with it because like milestone is important and instrumental, but it's also kind of like blink and you'd miss it in terms of like the like the huge like you know kind of like scope of everything which is sad and tragic but it's of course mired in legal problems and dc's acquisition like that's kind of why it's the only reason why you like don't think about it or hear about it anymore it's just because it's like it's been buried and that's the part of it too where they're like look you know people will try and tell you about sales or whatever but the fact is you know we were kings of comic-con when this came out this is the biggest thing and it's wrong that the comic book culture forgot this moment in time and it's yeah. like look if you don't remember your past how will you know where you're going how will you learn from it no exactly um it's funny i was thinking about um apropos of these uh 
what's it called? There was a documentary series, not really a documentary series, more like an episode from a channel called Complex, who did a series called Blueprint, uh, which did a third episode. It's just about McFarlane, and it's from his perspective, and it's just an interview oh. with McFarlane. It's not terribly well-researched, but the point mm. isn't really from the host's perspective. It's just he's like the conduit to force McFarlane to talk, which right, you really right. don't need to like prod to get. Um, but it's, uh, but it's a, a fascinating insight into McFarlane's perspective and how he was kind of like, we were these, like, he, he, the way he'd tell it, by the way, the, the, the beauty of watching a, a spectrum of documentaries is that you get all these different vantage points. Oh, yeah. Part of the importance of, if you're going to get into documentaries, is of watching many of them from different perspectives is that you get those perspectives so you can kind of, like, balance out what the truth and reality really is. Like, it's true, yeah. If, Make it up for yourself. Right. Like, if you watch the Blueprint episode, you would probably assume, based on how the host and the creators of this episode operate that McFarlane created Image Comics and that Spawn was like the first book to come out from there and that it was just like that, that Spawn that Spawn is basically Image Comics. Right, which of course we know isn't exactly true. Ironically, uh Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics, they do an Image Comics episode that is very well done. Oh, absolutely. Uh there's another Image Comics um series out there and I, it might actually be from that same thing but I, I only watched it from like a perspective where they like strung them all together it's this whole like right, image right. Of, of, uh, of Image Comics but it was but if you watch that and McFarlane's you're like I see exactly what's going on here mm -hmm. because like McFarlane would want you because he, he's it's funny how he's like a big booster of Jack Kirby and a big like yeah, of, yeah. you know shouter downer of Stan Lee and yet couldn't be more like Stanley in some respects. And the, you know, I, the, this is my version of the story. Now I am, I am the artist. Yeah. Like I control the narrative. I did this. I did that. Like I created this. And like, I mean, just the Neil Gaiman rights alone is kind of oh, like, yeah. a, I can't believe you're talking about creator's rights. And then you dealt with, and then you didn't pay Gaiman. That <laughs> always blows me away. I'm like, what a massive hypocrite you are. Right. And it's like, and I respect the man. And he's got a lot of interesting ideas. And that's part of the reason why you got a watch that episode by the way spider uh, spider-man to spawn how todd mcfarlane became the biggest comic artist ever you know who mcfarlane reminds me of too if we were to compare it to the music yeah. industry he reminds me of mc hammer the like <laughs> look you you might not like what i do but i made the cash you have to respect all the cash i made look at my money yeah i, I mean i i like to look at him as kind of like like i mean like obviously image is a group effort and oh yeah it, it was spearheaded by the the talent of those few people but you know y you can't deny mcfarlane's kind of like bullheadedness made things kind of move um, it was the perfect storm it was the perfect storm but like and mc but I, I like to liken it kind of like to the beatles and mm. the mcfarlane was just kind of like george or uh paul and John at the same yeah. time, like just this constant bickering with everybody else, and this, this constant like what? Well, I mean, really, like I could replace any, like we could, like any of you could be replaced. And who was like, uh, Liefeld? Oh, Liefeld. There is no really good analogy for the Beatles, unfortunately, because like Liefeld was this person who's just kind of like he got all this money, it made him go kind of insane, and also he had a big personality, and he like was clearly like overshadowed by his mm. by his contemporaries and like i don't know and, and then 
he didn't take his toys and leave. Like he was no, he voted didn't. out of the company. And by the way, you'll learn all these great, amazing stories from these kind of documentaries. The image one totally. I have to get a link for because I'm trying to figure it out. Um, but where uh, Liefeld knew that the image founders were having a meeting about him. Yes. And so he rented a room. This story is amazing. It was next to the room that the founders were using to have the meeting about him. And he listened in on the meeting through with like a glass, like, <laughs> yeah, with a glass against his ear through the door. Well, like that, you know, that shared door, like friggin' spy movie. Shit. Yeah. And then like before the meeting was over, he had already tendered his resignation. So it's like, you know, you can't fire me. I quit. Yeah. But, uh, but ama- an amazing story. And, and you get mm-hmm. more of that from, from there. But, uh, anyway, that's the kind God, of, God, I wish I quit like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you need to know like how that, you know, you need to get that kind of information first. Um, there's a documentary that I saw years ago, and it's not really a documentary so much as it is kind of like a fun little series. Like, I don't even know what the hell to call it, but do you remember Stan Lee's Mutants, Monsters, and Marvels? Yes, yes. It was a little like, I, I remember it came out on VHS. That's how old it is. Oh, wow. Um, where Kevin Smith kind of spearheaded this whole, like, I want to interview Stan Lee and talk to him about, like, all his contributions at Marvel, like, like right now, because... I'm in my 30s, and I imagine that anyone older than me is going to die and keel over at any <laughs> moment. So i got to get it all on film, like, right now. Mm. Um, and it's a really... It, it, talk about perspectives. Like, the you should watch the Robert Kirkman, like, episode, and then watch, or before that, watch Stanley's Mutants, Monsters, and Marvels. And I might watch the, the Marvels one first, and then the Kirkman one afterwards. Because it's a hell of a picture. Yeah, because you're getting this like this image of like the guy himself talking about it from a perspective of time and without any uh, detractors or argument. Yeah. Um, and, and and so you know you get like kind of like his version of reality, and then you get to see like other people's version of reality, and you can kind of like see where the where the Venn diagrams intersect and go like, oh, I think that's kind of closer to the truth. That's sweet. It's- it's the version you get to do when you've outlived all your contemporaries and all your detractors and everything else. Yeah. Well, but even then, like, it's funny how Stan was able to kind of like manipulate the narrative well before his passing. Um, so that when he was in a position that he was in before he passed, he didn't have to do damage control. He was literally just like, just kind of like resting on it. He had enough trouble as it was, but like, he wasn't like fighting tooth and nail against the Kirby estate or with mm. the Ditko estate mm. or like dealing with like douchey reporters, like asking a 95 year old man, like what he did in 1975. Uh. It's, just, it, it's literally just like Stan worked. He was a workhorse who oh, controlled yeah. his own narrative and to, so that he could, you know, benefit from it in his, in his golden years. What was the one, again, another Stanley documentary, it, it came out, I think it was the last one they did on him before his passing, mm-hmm. and, like, they actually, like, followed him home, it was the first time I'd ever actually heard his wife talk, and I'm like, oh, his wife is British, his wife is the real Peggy Carter, okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 and also the visual inspiration for Gwen Stacy, when Gwen first appeared oh. on stage, he told, I think it was Ramita, he said, like, draw, you know, draw, draw Joan, or, uh, That's nice. Was it Joan? Now I have to remember. Now I have to check it out. I'm pretty sure it is. But uh, yeah, um, it's it, it, you learn all this fun stuff. Um, oh man, I I just I that the the Stan Lee thing reminded me. 
Do you remember that great Bill Finger documentary that came out like just a couple of years ago? That's right. I feel that one's gotten buried, which is sad because that was the history of Bill Finger doing so much only to get buried. I can't believe that that took so long to come Uh, out. And Um, that it's such this ultimate vindication. Oh, yeah. No, well, you've been I've been hearing about Bill Finger and his importance and contribution to Batman and comics. I think I started hearing about it in the 90s. Mm hmm. And which is, of course, when I started reading comics. But like, I heard rumblings about it. You know, like whenever I talk about, like, well, Bob Kane created Batman. Like, older people would be like, mm, sh- not really. And I'm like, well, then who else is there? There's no other name. And they're like, yeah, that's because Bob Kane like screwed over this great man. Um, and I never really thought about it again until I think like the mid 2000s. And uh, and and literally two years ago, they're like, okay, here's this documentary that kind of like perfectly illustrates the 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 the, the you know, the disbursement of creative work, like who did what and, and how much did Bill Finger get screwed? Which, which, you know, that like that documentary is so good. That expands even beyond the realm of comics to just any art form in general, where it's like, you don't think about the person behind the person who makes your favorite thing. And sometimes they never get credit. No, it's true. Um, by the way, that is not on YouTube. That's over on Hulu, so you can check that out. Right, that was a Hulu exclusive. There wasn't I, again, it's been forever since I've seen it. God, I want to watch it again right yeah. now. Was it uh what was it his kid or his grandkid or someone who got it was someone interesting who got it together to yeah, try yeah, and like yeah. finally um, get him credit. I don't remember. I, I I've as I recall, I think his kid was like instrumental in helping, but I don't think it was anyone no it was a fan that's right they talked to his kid and the kid was like well that's nice that my grandpa could get something like that right thanks he's still dead though yeah that's (laughs) right yeah it wasn't like the big happy ending of that that like the last batman movie or whatever it finally had like created by bob kane and bill finger like he finally started getting credited absolutely well and apparently also it was like it was more that it wasn't so much that it was like the it wasn't like Nimoy's documentary, which I think was about no, was it Gene Roddenberry had a documentary that his son made. Yes, that's him. right. I saw that um, one too. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, it is. But this one was more like there was a book that was written about him about Bill Finger that is, like five years earlier. And so the documentarians were like, Oh, we should make this. Um Right, right. And then like yeah, because of the book in 2012, then the comic uh, company decided to do something about it in 2015, and then 2017 we got the we got the movie, and that's why I was like, by the time we got to the movie, I'm like, well, I mean, like, I think we've kind of said all we need to say, but the documentary is actually a really great 92 minute distillation of what the whole thing's about. Very much so, and also just a lot of footage and like recordings that you've never heard or seen before of Bob Kane and of everyone else involved. Absolutely. in DC at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wish we had a list of all these in the in the description. I'm sorry, I don't. But like, you know, just just write them all down. <laughs> yeah, really. The, the, you can listen to this back later. These are all really good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is one that I need to talk about because, like, speaking of people who are their own hype man and people who like kind of like control their own narrative. Uh, you you recommended this one, Grant Morrison talking with gods. Ah, uh, yes, of course. I think the person who made this also did Inside the Mind of Alan Moore. This was kind of like a twofer. Ah, I see. See, I don't like the Alan Moore one as much as I like the Morrison one, because really, just, dude, Morrison's so cosmic, man. I could listen to him talk forever, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Grant Morrison is captivating and interesting and insightful. Mm-hmm. This, is just, this is a documentary about Grant Morrison. Yes. 
I don't really care. And I was like, so I was actually kind of like amazed at how like demystifying it was for me. Like you, it oh, was really? a, it's a great, if you like love Grant Morrison, you're probably going to enjoy this documentary, but like if you're oh, yeah. kind of like critical of him in any way, you're gonna be like, Oh <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's basically everything you think. Where it's like, hey, you know, my parents were spies for peace. They were big in the Scottish anti-war movement. Oh, I got uh, sick one time with a really bad fever and read comic books. And oh, I did a lot of drugs in my adult life. And I saw the gods, and they told me how the universe worked. But I forgot, and I had to write it down. Well, what's the, the insight into for me was that Grant Morrison was a kid whose dad was fiercely politically active and mm -hmm. like inappropriately used his son to further his political agenda. His parents yep. got divorced and that messed him up big time. He went to an all boys school as a raging mm -hmm. hormonal teenager and it made him crazy. <laughs> and he didn't do any drugs or do anything at this point, by the way, he literally just liked to draw and like, and, and write and talk about comics because his mom encouraged him to read them. And then like much later he decided to like try magic. Yep. And not like close Rude up magic. magic. <laughs> like, he lit some candles instead of you know prayer, and then went to sleep. And when he and when he awoke, there was like a portal in front of him, and like the blackness of the universe filled into the folds of his brain. Like, okay. <laughs> and we're building universes, and the goo people taught me how it was done. And that's when he was like, oh, I'll use the the drugs to like help me, you know, kind of like answer more questions and get a deeper understanding. You're like, okay. And the fact that he's like a real, it's like, oh, I'm a real method writer, you know, if I'm writing about cross-dress and I got to cross-dress for a little bit. And if I'm writing about rune magic, I got to do nothing but rune magic. Yeah, I was, uh, it's funny, I was, I, there, there, there's a great quote, and I apply it to these kinds of situations, and it's where um, people asked Harrison Ford what his acting method was. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what do you do? How do you get into character? And he said, I graduated from the let's pretend school of acting. <laughs> where it's like, that's good. I don't care about that i don't do like you know i don't i don't need to know <laughs> you know what it's like to be high to write about being high mm -mm. um i remember what was it this is just a, a tangent but like uh when john travolta was playing vincent vega and he wanted yes. to know what it was like to be high on heroin but not ruin his life mm -hmm. and so he inquired and they said like it's like getting totally drunk like plaster drunk on tequila and sitting in a warm pool, which he then did <laughs> and like warned his family ahead of time and like told them to watch him so he didn't drown, you know, but like, so he was able to articulate in that one moment. That's like half a second in the Pulp in Fiction the movie. movie. And you're like, I guess you could probably just like, how does it feel? Like, well, if you're just, if you're immediately getting high, I guess like kind of good. And you're like, okay, I could probably imagine that. Like, <laughs> but all right, Grant, but if you really like Grant Morrison, like again, documentary about grant morrison again though like i would love to see a more even-handed documentary about like the grant morrison alan moore rivalry yeah that would be fun because they touch on it in both actually yeah. they talk about it in the alan moore one a little bit and they talk it in this one a little bit but no they don't really go deep into it no and i, I would love to see that because that's a fun rivalry and i love how much they both like dislike each other i like watching like really really like pompous people like have a problem with each other yeah it's like shouldn't you two weirdos love each other <laughs> well, and that's the thing they're two alike um or at least they and want to one one really wants to be liked by the other and the other like mm. is like doesn't want to but also can't not talk about it which is right. which is fascinating
And then there's Mark Millar in there, too, who's oh. apparently friends with both of them and who gets interviewed in both of these movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other guy is Warren Ellis, who's friends with both of them as well. Yes, right. Warren Ellis is much more interested in making fun of them, though. Which I Yes, he like. sure, because that's Warren Ellis is funny. He has a sense of humor. Exactly. That pervades a lot of his work, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Um, so, you know, uh, incidentally, the, you mentioned In Search of Steve Ditko. Yes, another which is a, another interesting one. And one I think you really need to watch now because he's not with us anymore either. Yeah, that was when he was around. And it reminded me a lot of that book uh, or that, uh, that, that, not, that documentary about, like, basically harassing Bill Watterson. I believe it was called, like, In Search of Bill Watterson or Chasing right, Bill Watterson right. or something like that. Where it's like, so there's this reclusive artist who never wanted to be found. And I'm going to go, like, try and get an interview with him. Look for him, yeah. And in the uh, In Search of Steve Ditko one... Shit, who was it who was talking to him, who's looking for him? It's like a Some re- British journalist. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, and he's like, I wanted to talk to Steve Ditko because I like Spider-Man comics. And uh, that wasn't so much a documentary as what, as it was like a TV special. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like documentaries, the concept of like telling a story that happened in real life using like firsthand accounts and, and documents is is not relegated or limited to the format of like short form or long form or filmed right. it could be like a tv special and in fact like most people's inter- like uh interactions first interactions with documentaries for me seem to be like the tv special like yeah th- this the um, tonight at 11 like this report about like such and such i mean like every news article like every news outlet does a more or less documentary about, on 60 minutes yeah about this one topic and uh and, and so the, the, the vice news network that's basically all they do exa- vice, yeah vice is just a constant stream of documentaries about any number of uh, of topics oh man i watched one just this week on credit card fraud and counterfeit Ooh. credit cards boy that shit was fascinating it was only five minutes right you sent me a documentary or like a, a vice special about like dick pills oh yeah 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 that's fun right of, like, sponsorships coming from dick pills it was so insipid (laughs) i was like i am so mad at you for sending me this i watched all of it and i was like this is so stupid it really was that's why i had to share it with you i'm like look man i got this rattling around in my head and now like the tape in the ring i need to pass the curse to someone else totally did you like i was like damn it that sucks (laughs) like i hate it uh yep so let's 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 move on um you mentioned (laughs) next week we'll talk about dick pills right yeah uh, but yeah, no, in search of Sidivko, by the way, the guy gets what he wants mm-hmm. at the end, but he doesn't get to film it where he gets to talk to Ditko. No, nor do they actually answer the question, why have you been in hiding all these years, Steve Ditko? Right. And it's like, because I'm a libertarian and I believe that I'm being tracked all the time. Like, yeah, because I'm pretty a much grumpy man. Like, yeah. <laughs> haven't you read the question? You're either 100% good or 100% evil. <laughs> Actually, actually, Alan Moore is in that documentary, too, and he Alan is. Moore makes fun of him for that. Yes, he is. Well, because Alan Moore, of course, like, fiercely disagrees with his politics, so. Right, that really sticks in Alan Moore's crawl. Like, Alan Moore does, like, a little poem, like, making yep. fun of him. Oh, my God, I just remembered that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, way to go, Moore. Uh, but, yeah, um, what was it? I guess we talked about that enough, but, like, you mentioned the PBS documentary Superheroes the Never in Battle. I remember watching that. That was like I think one of the Avengers movies came out and they were trying to tie yes, it in with that. Um so that and, and that was when I was like um oh, like I yeah, I know no, I've seen that. Like <laughs> no, I've seen actually a lot of these. 
Yeah, it was a big like four night event like they had one every night and it like tracked the history of comic books from like, you know, the, the the golden age to like the current movie age. And like it definitely had a movie bent to it. A like, let's talk about uh, how great these movies are doing now. And it was hosted by my uh, totally normal man crush, Liev Schreiber. <laughs> oh, yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, who played Sabretooth, so he was the perfect man for the job. <laughs> he was. He, he makes fun of that, too. He's like, and I got to be in this movie, and everyone hated it, but, you know, I got to be in it. <laughs> um, but, hey, he clearly likes the shit. He's like, yeah, I totally want to host this, even though I was in a bad one. Yeah, yeah, no, and it, well, his, he has a good voice, and it worked out fine. But it, totally. It's, it's a very, like, and that one is much, is a very corporate, like, yeah. clean, you know, oh, this is fun documentary. That was... As a lot of the PBS documentaries are, but again, the production quality on it is really, really solid. Agree. Yeah, that's the thing is that it's like it looks really good, and it's, it's, it's like a very, I want to say like legit mm. look, like look at our kind of like underfoot industry. <laughs> yeah, very much so. It's like you can show this to your grandma, and she'll be like, oh, you know, maybe I thought wrong of them funny books. Yeah, literally. Like I had family reach out to me who were like, oh, like. That's what you do. That's that's I, I I saw a thing about your about that guy Stan Lee. You know, you maybe want, you might want to talk to him on your show. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I might. Thanks, mom. Get right on that. Yeah, exactly. By the way, I found out what that image thing is called. The image documentary you should check out. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called the Image Revolution. Ah, um, sounds is, good. I will it was made check in 2014. That. It is fascinating. It's got like rare video clips. It's Ooh. the story about, you know, it has that story about Rob Liefeld. It's fantastic, and it gives you a more like. Oh, I see who I, I see what McFarlane was all about. Mm. Okay. Has Valiant ever had a documentary about them? I feel like we're at the point now they've been around long enough and had enough history. Uh, Valiant actually had a Reading Rainbow special about them. Did they really? That's awesome. Yeah, LeVar Burton goes to Valiant. They pretend like that company did how like worked on comics the way they did. You know, like. The, there was like a meeting about like what they should do in the latest issue of of, of Turok or whatever, mm. and, and it was so fake and full, and like the artists were in the studio, like were at Valiant, like drawing their comics. I'm like, get, <laughs> get the hell out of here! Um, but it's <laughs> That's it was, fun. but you know what? It was a really like cute, um, you know, '80s, '90s version of like, hey, let's normalize comics. That's and who true. wanted to talk to us and let us into their studio? Valiant. Valiant did. <laughs> so check that out. It's interesting. That uh, does sound cute. I do like again, that. Again, uh, YouTube. But uh, yeah. By the way, the Image Revolution, you can get on, on YouTube. You have to buy it. But like, I'm sure mm. I'm sure if you were to look, um, you could find it. But it's called the Image Revolution. It's three bucks if you want to buy it on YouTube movies. Um, but yeah. Uh, no, Valiant has not. And I've, I've talked to them about it. And man. Okay, I can talk about this. The old guard isn't there anymore. I pitched... Um, if you watch this channel, you've seen that uh, uh, we're friends with the guys over at Comic Book Men. What was Comic Book Men? It was a show on uh, AMC that Kevin Smith spearheaded about Kevin's friends running a comic book store. Um, I remember. Yeah, I'm friends with those guys, and we've worked together on a number of projects. And uh, I know the guys who are on the production level of that show. And when like lightning was striking constantly in the same place a number of times, when Valiant was like trying anything and everything and like had seemingly an endless budget doing uh, really really good stuff too and my buddies were making a show on amc i was like this is the show like call up the production house from amc you know the same people 
and produce a valiant reality show. Um, I I don't... We got to the point where they were like, could you make the show instead? And I was like, yes, but it would be very lame. <laughs> like, because I'm not going to be able to shoot you guys 12 hours a day. And I will not be able to sift through that kind of footage, but... Uh, because I have a life and a channel I have to keep up. I have other shit I need to do, and, like, I'm sure you could pay me, but, you know. Uh, but, yeah, so... Uh, That's a shame. I, I, I wish that could have happened. That would have been fucking cool. Yeah, I I know. I was like, this is the show. It's it's about Valiant, and, like, and those guys... I'm like, Dinesh is so interesting and so personable. And so, he really is. I only met him, like, a couple times, and, yeah. It would have been, like, that. the, the cast of characters at Valiant would have lent themselves to an AMC series. <laughs> a true story, too, now that we can talk about it. When we did actually go there the one time we were all together for yeah. New York Comic Con, uh, what is it? I, I got a Jolly Rancher from a nice man who worked there. I'm like, hey, that guy's giving out candy. What a nice dude. Who's that guy? Joel, he runs the company. What? <laughs> yeah. It's like, Joel, that dude's like a multi-millionaire, and that dude gave me a Jolly Rancher. Wicked. Yeah, he's he's a fun guy. <laughs> he really, they, they were all really fun. Oh, yeah, no. Um, and we've managed to do other things with them in the in the, afterwards, and it's it's been fantastic. Um, crap. Uh, you know what? Before we move on, I want to talk about the Super Chats again, because there's a yes, number of them that we haven't gotten to. Uh, Patrick Lawson says, I love the D&D episodes of Comic Pop and Cape Joel. Thank you very much. Hey, yeah. uh, if you're watching the show and you have no idea who we are, or you don't know what this channel is, subscribe to it, please, and, and watch more. But we have this RPG superhero show that just wrapped up. It's three episodes um, set in the DC universe. It's a lot of fun. Called Harbor Patrol. Check it out. Um, the Iceman says, saw one on TV about the psychology of Batman's villains. I forgot what mm. the name of it was, but I thought it was really good, really insightful about uh, about the rogues. That was a DVD extra feature for one of those uh, straight uh, DVD movies. Yes, I remember that one also, and they did play it on TV. Yeah, uh, it was called Batman Unmasked, the psychology of the Dark Knight. Right, uh, yes. So, you know, you can check that out. I believe the entire thing is on YouTube, so... It was pretty surface-level psychology, but, you know, it was good shit, if you it's like fun. Batman. Yeah. Uh, Ali Elziati says, uh, hey, guys, love the show. What are your thoughts on the new Disney Plus shows and the Mandalorian trailer? Uh, trailer was dope. ATSTs, yeah. ATSTs, ATSTs. <laughs> Man dope. getting killed in a door. Uh, very dope. Um, I, I, I remember hearing Max von Sydow in the trailer. I'm like, uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Can you believe that Werner Herzog and that guy are no, both? No, not Max von Sydow. I'm sorry. Or Werner Herzog. Max von uh, well, Sydow's dead. Uh, I always get those two mixed up. But yeah, Werner Herzog. I heard his voice, and I'm like, oh, no. It's Shrimply Pibbles. He's he's so fucking good, though, because he's, like, born to play a disaffected Imperial. And you know the bounty hunters and the Mandalorians and the space. I'm like, this guy's amazing. I could yeah. listen to this guy read the phone book. Right? It's The, the trailer was dope. I'm excited about it. Favreau quality. It's pretty Hell fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm still on the same uh, level of enthusiasm for the Disney Plus series uh, as I was before. WandaVision, don't care. Um, Moon Knight, that sounds cool. T tell me who's making the show. Um, mm. You know, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, like, okay, cool, sounds good. You know, getting like Zemo, getting a bunch of people in that. Right, like it, it all sounds pretty cool. Dude, Wyatt Russell is going to be U.S. agent, and that's so fucking dope. I know, that's nuts. I can't believe. He, I, I hope he has a full suit. That's such good casting. I'm like, oh, okay, but can he not be so horrible and so evil and so modernized that he can't come back? Because I love Wyatt Russell so much. I think I think because it'll be on Disney Plus and nothing can go like above a like probably light PG-13. You're gonna see a very 
like saccharine version <laughs> of a watered down version of us because it's also like look like it's such an easy layup to be like what would us agent be like in a modern parlance i've got a couple ideas yeah i can imagine <laughs> um so we'll see uh but yeah uh, adam Groves, thank you all for what you'll do thank you very much adam thank hey. you for what you do which is watch the show we really appreciate it uh amartya acharya says you guys should subscribe to war analysis newsletter guy is very learned and also very weird interesting man uh yeah I've, i i mean i know who warren ellis is uh and i didn't even is, know he had a newsletter yeah i'm sure he does <laughs> <laughs> which which sounds old-fashioned subscribe to my newsletter right uh but i like that and uh but he's he is very interesting and he is very uh learned and i believe he has his own like thing like in terms of documentaries that I'll have to like mm. look up, but uh, but I will, yeah. He's got a new Batman book coming out soon. Yeah, uh, yeah, eventually. Yeah, one of these days. Uh, Zberm, have you heard of Rude Dude, the Steve Rude documentary? No, actually. No. I'm googling it though. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but thank you. Uh, I'll check it out now. You got Joel googling it right now. Uh, yeah, well, Rude Dude, in... the Steve Rude story. Yeah. Right. Uh, this is not a comic documentary, but have you guys seen the Netflix series, The Toys That Made Us? There's an episode yes. about Transformers. Yes. Or Transformatators. Yes. Very, very interesting and very educational, all of those. Yeah. No, I, I really dug Toys That Made Us. I found the He-Man one a little long. And also a little bitter that no, those wait. dudes. No, I'm thinking of another one. There was a friggin'. Okay. I saw that there, there's a bunch. There, there's a, there's only like there's a there's a frustratingly small amount of episodes of the toys that made us um yes apparently there's a third season they've been sitting on forever where they were going to do wrestling power rangers and another one i'm like fucking give me those yeah right where the hell are those um but uh but then they made a he-man documentary like a separate he-man documentary they didn't make it but there was another one okay that one i haven't seen and i'm like this is long and it's basically like a triple length episode of the third episode from the toys that made us. Right. And I'm like, I know all this shit already. Like I learned, I heard all this crap. I, it's the same people saying the same shit. Like I'll just watch the toys that made us. Are, are they as bitter in that longer documentary as they are in the toys that made us about She-Ra? That's what blew me away. All these adult, adult men as old as my dad still mad about She-Ra. No. Uh, in the He-Man one, they were like celebrating her. You know, they were like, Hey, She-Ra, like how important it was and how good it was. And how like, uh, by the way, She-Ra trumps He-Man in terms of theme song at mm, the very yeah. least. Um, that's she th- that, she that, scene, that theme song friggin rocks it really does um, it gets you pumped you're like oh um, but yeah uh, by the way but if you like the toys that made us you should really subscribe to Toy Galaxy it's a YouTube channel here on this world it is one of the it is the best toy show channel on YouTube straight you made up a fan of me yeah yeah the best toy anything on YouTube they blew it out of the water uh dan is incredibly insightful incredibly intelligent articulate funny it's a great channel it's a great show watch toy galaxy um they don't need my help anymore they dwarfed us months ago but uh, (laughs) hey we like to see our friends succeed exactly ali alziati says sal which backish episode involved u.s agent that was uh the that was the episode with the with the with the scroll oh maximum security Mm. So check out Back Issues Maximum Security to see U.S. Agent as a third-rate Judge Dredd ripoff. <laughs> Robert Corp, behind Mask of the Phantasm, dead end story count? Uh, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Well, like even like those like DVD featurettes 
um, oh, I'm sorry, you're thinking, you, you said Behind the Mask, the Batman Dead End story, uh, which is the documentary about, if you've never seen it, there's a fan film called Batman Dead End, in which mm. Batman fights, uh, I think it's the kid from Family Ties, <laughs> and as the Joker, oh. a predator, and an alien. That's uh, an interesting amalgamation it's a fun ass tr- like thing it came out years ago and uh, i'm glad to see there actually is a documentary about it i haven't seen the documentary but i would love to watch it because like i'm sure it's fascinating what, what was the documentary now that we're talking about fan films they did one about like all the indiana jones fan films and all the star wars fan films what, what was oh, that i one don't called? know <laughs> It was it was really good. Like I remember, I got that at like Blockbuster, like during the waning days of that. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea there was a whole like community of fan films. Right? I don't know. It was really educational. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, because fan films are a whole other thing. Um, so we'll get into those in the future. And uh, Tevi says, I recently saw Shazam doc on the DC Universe app, and it was good. Oh, yeah. DC Universe, by the way, has not to like plug them or anything, but like they have like a lot of like neat stuff on there if you like dig through the app. They should Um, do more documentary stuff on that app. They should at the very least take every documentary they've made and throw that on there. I think that Batman villains one is on there. As it should. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, another documentary in here called "The Death of the Death and Return of Superman." Are you talking about? The John Schnepp movie? Yes. Okay. The John Schnepp documentary about the death and, re- and return, or Superman, the death of Superman lives. It was a, it's a, it's a movie about a failed attempt to make a reboot Superman movie. A fascinating failed attempt. Yes, and it, it's been the subject of a lot of people's like, kind of curiosity forever. I hope they make another one of Justice League Mortal. Oh, tell me about it. Wouldn't that be great? I would, at the very least, I want George, what was it? George Reeves. Reeves. Um, I always get him and the guy who played Superman, George Reeves. I know, isn't that confusing? I don't want to say that wrong. But uh, yeah, the Super, the, the Justice League Mortal. I want, a, I want a big, gorgeous coffee table book of all the shit from Justice League Mortal. Just like... Because they were ready to go with it, and then right, they just didn't. Just sc- the script with like notes... You know, like maybe like if Army Hammer wants to like drop off like his script or like all of his little like notes and stuff, like just. But yeah, because Army Hammer was Batman. Uh, yes. Was he? Yeah, that's right. But uh, you know, like scripts, notes, publicity photos, uh, behind the scenes images, you know, testimonials, just just the the works. Um, but I'll take a documentary on that as well. That would be good. I also want to see that Justice League movie. What went into that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because you can only imagine, uh, what is it, that uh, Snyder movie, the behind the scenes is probably more interesting than the film they put on screen. Oh, yeah. Well, I want, from that movie, I want, like, this is, we're talking about Justice League, Snyder's not Justice League. Yes. I would love yeah, to yeah. see a documentary in the style of, like, the Star Wars Episode One documentary. Ah, because, yes. like, because here's the thing. If you've never seen, like, the Red Letter Media Phantom Menace review, there's an amazing... They pull a lot of great lines and quotes from the, that documentary. Because Boy, George... Was a, was a separate entity. He made his own mm-hmm. movie, so he made his own documentary about his own movie, mm-hmm. and it doesn't pull any punches, and it's not, like... It, it is sanitized, but, like, the way that George would have sanitized it. So it's not, like... It, it leaves in some of the fat and some of, like, the, the you know, the grit, and might it's... Have, might have gone too far in a couple of players. Right! Like, you watch how, like, baffled and horrified McCollum and Lucas and, uh, and Ben Burt are 
after seeing the, the final cut of this movie and they're like, what have we done? And like the, the, the Disney documentary of like, of, of, uh, last Jedi would have never had anything like that in it. No. Um, and so I want like a justice league, that movie documentary where it's like, you know, unfettered access to everything, you know, here's like, you know, not just like scenes, but more like, interviews you know yeah please quotes video con like everything where they just go like okay here's where we started here's who's to blame here's what Mm -hmm. went wrong it have to be from a third party because warner brothers would never shoot themselves in the foot like that. maybe maybe doing that documentary too would finally shut up all the release the snyder cut people maybe i mean like but probably not uh, kevin smith also was like there is a snyder cut and i've like seen half of it and (sighs) what was it uh Aquaman was going on about that too, mm-hmm. Jason Momoa, and I'm like, God, Momoa, not you too. Well, I mean, like, did he finish a movie? Yeah. Does it look like a movie? No. Probably not. No, it doesn't. It's it's not done. Uh, Batman's cape is CG. Like nothing of it was fin- anyway. Uh, what was it? Zberm says uh, the Steve Rude doc was about his life and struggles with mental illness. I found oh. it really powerful and highly recommend it. And introduced me to Steve Rude. Cool. So, yeah check it out yeah um what was i gonna mention um you mentioned one called ink out ink alter egos exposed what's that about yes this this was a series on ifc the independent film channel back when that was a thing is that still a thing i don't have cable anymore it it, it is still a thing i don't get it in my cable package right and they probably don't do cool shit like this this is like when ifc was a brand new channel it's like hey we're gonna play uh play pulp fiction every day and greg the bunny and also (laughs) here's like some new shit we put together about comics because you know we're counterculture you know we're independent films yeah and this was all about comics and superheroes and i actually really hesitated putting this one on the list to talk about it because i was such a fan of it when we started doing elseworld exchange and doing like topic themed episodes yeah i took so much material from this because that's what it was every episode they picked a topic (laughs) they interviewed some creators and they did it for 22 minutes nice there you go and they talked about like some stuff too where it's like they talked about race in comics they talked about politics in comics and sex and independent comics they talked about a lot of very heavy very meaty topics and a lot of what they say in there is just as true now hmm like, it really, really holds up these things. And, you know, they interview, like, a little of everybody. I think they talked to Tom DeFalco. They talked to Shooter. They talked to a bunch of different people. They had a lot of access to some cool people. Nice. I'll check they that talked out. to the Love and Rockets guy a bunch. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen it, so I can't speak to it, unfortunately. But uh, that sounds fun. They, uh, what is it, too? They talk about, uh, oh, God. They talked to Judd Winnick oh. quite a lot in it. And he talks about uh, the guy he met on The Real World who contracted AIDS, who he eventually wrote a comic about his life and how that also inspired him to have Mia Dearden in Green Arrow be a character with HIV. Oh, cool. That's great. Yeah, and we get to like actually meet the guy and see some footage and everything. I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, sidestepping this a little bit, um, if you did like Warren Ellis, there is a Warren Ellis documentary called Warren Ellis Captured Ghosts. Oh, whole things on YouTube, by the way, thanks to Sequart uh, TV. Mm, does he actually capture ghosts? I don't think he's a ghostbuster. I think it's more <laughs> that he, uh, it's metaphorical. Right. Um, but yeah, we, but, oh, oh, I mean, sorry. I hate paranormal shows, but I would happily watch Warren Ellis going around trying to bust some ghosts. Yeah. Uh, similarly, Neil Gaiman has one called uh, Dream Dangerously. Mm. So that's awesome. Um, I feel like I must have seen that one at some point. Right? Uh, that one is not available. 
Um, you can get that on Amazon, I think. But uh, yeah. Uh, we didn't really game get a chance to... Oh, so go ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, just Gaiman, yet another guy you could just listen talk forever. Uh, Gaiman is so great. Well, because he's a storyteller and he loves stories themselves, so it's great to hear him talk. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that Death of Superman Lives What Happened movie from Schnepp, uh, interesting, fascinating, and um, kind of impressive. Like, for oh, yeah. me, I remember seeing it and being like, how did, like... One guy. One Like, how did he get to go to Tim Burton's house to his creepy Adams family mansion right? and sit down and just talk to him in his throne and everything. Yeah. And talk to him about like something that he never really worked on or made. <laughs> and that they were so willing to talk to him too and be like, yeah, you know, that's the Hollywood system, man. Yeah. Like I believe you could get Kev to talk about it because he made a living doing that for a little while. But like, yeah, it's kind of a, it, it's kind of amazing and mm -hmm. inspirational a little bit where you're like, wow, check out like what John Schnepp was able to do. And making it about like the fan community as well. Cause yeah. like it opens up at Comic-Con. He's just interviewing people at comic -Con. He talks to Jimmy Palmiotti in the first couple minutes. Right. About um, Superman. What I like about that movie too mm -hmm. is it's so good in the way that I think it really exposes a terrible truth about Superman in movies. And that is you will probably never make another Superman movie like the Reeves one that pleases everyone because everyone has such radically different ideas about what Superman should be and what he represents. And you're probably never going to get the version you want. Mm, almost certainly. <laughs> that's that's really depressing. Who, who's the guy they talked to? The, the producer, uh, Wild Wild West? Yes. John Peters. Oh my God. The stuff they get with John Peters. It's like, cause Kevin Smith told the story forever about how crazy he was and how he wanted giant spiders and what a maniac he is. He's even crazier here defending the crazy shit. He said, know. you know, well, you know, I mean, I think he was like what Barbara Streisand's hairdresser and he was illiterate yes. and, and, and her husband for a little bit. And he's been to jail. Right. I, the, the, I love finding out that he was illiterate. Yeah. When you hear the Kevin Smith story again, you got to read okay, it for me so I can visualize. Go. Like, that was all just a smoke screen to hide the fact that he can't friggin' read. Like, But oh he can God. dress hair, and he can fight, apparently, because he endlessly talks about being a street guy and how many fights he's been in. There's there's another thing. It's it's really short. Uh, look, look for it. Uh, John Peters Animated. It's a series. It was an animation channel where they talk to celebrities, and they do little animated portions of their life. John DiMaggio did one. Sarah Silverman did one. They do one about John Peters where he talks about his life from like his youth to marrying Streisand. <laughs> and like, none of it sounds real, but it's so fucking fascinating. It's like, yeah, you know, I was a street kid, you know, I went to jail, but then I started like, you know, uh, doing strippers hair in LA and I got really popular. And you know, one time I almost got into a fight with Charlie Manson because he showed up to a party naked. And I'm like, I don't believe a word you're saying, but please keep talking. Right, exactly. I just want to see when you're going to stop. Yeah, really. I'm just like this. Like, I imagine if the story kept going, he would have been like, yeah, and then I raced around the world in 80 days. <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of thing you get a lot of insights into some of your favorite or not so favorite creators. Mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a documentary from like, oh, man, I remember my comic book retailer recommending this to me. And I went back. I guess it was in the like late 90s. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I couldn't even get a hand on it because I never went to any Comic-Cons, and they didn't have it in many of my video stores. It was a uh, 89 documentary called Comic Book Confidential. Oh, uh, yes, I saw that on TV a bunch. You can, you can actually get to hear, like, what Art Spiegelman thinks. and Yeah. It, it's it's Will Eisner. It's really cool. Like so, A lot of those people aren't with us anymore, so that's a really good time capsule. Yeah. 
Uh, so, I mean, Jack Kirby, Will Eisner, check it out. Watch that as well. Um, I don't know if that's on YouTube. I've never actually looked it up again, but, like, you know. There's there's another one about independent comics, if for those who, like, really care about, like, the real underground independent stuff, where they followed, like, the dude who wrote, like, uh, Fantabulous Freak Brothers and a couple of the Air Pirates and a bunch of stuff oh. like that. Cool. I, th I think, like, uh, Robert Crumb is in that one, too. I know he's a very controversial figure these days for obvious reasons. But, right. yeah, he's in that. They talk to a bunch of people. And for those who, like, really like comics as an art form but don't really care that much about the superhero ones, find that one. God, I wish I knew what that one was called. Yeah, I don't know. It's Yeah, it's a really interesting time capsule, too, of, like, the late 60s, early 70s, just, like, experimental art form where it's like, we don't really know what comics can do for storytelling, <laughs> so we're just doing whatever. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, there's another one. I think it's called uh, The Secret Origin of the D of DC Comics or something like that. They made it in 2010 because it was like Batman fever. They got Nolan. Right. And they were like, let's do this. And uh, and that's kind of interesting. But like it's mostly like a, it's the secret history of DC Comics. But it's like told from the perspective of all these Hollywood elitists. So it's like, mm, you know, yes, like oh, what does Brian Singer or like ryan reynolds think about all this and i'm like i don't care <laughs> i think they're gonna keep us in business for a long time is what we think exactly so pass. i'm gonna be able to buy a third golden turlet and a new addition to my house with these funny books right uh so um yeah uh jumping back in the super chats uh what was it the Iceman says, let's face it, we all want a fan four stick documentary. Oh yeah. Justice League Snyder documentary and an A or Suicide Squad documentary, so we can get a tell all of what the heck happened. See, I think the fan four stick one actually wouldn't be that interesting. I think it'd be like, we showed up, it was boring, we had to do it. This is the script we had. Yeah, I feel like uh fan four stick was literally like, I made this movie about body horror, and then the studio said, No. No, 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 no. And also, apparently, that same writer director there, his dogs destroyed a house. Yeah, no, they, uh, he, 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 like, literally, like, sicked his dogs on their, on, like, his rented area. Uh, I haven't heard of that kind of, like, bullshit since the island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah, I know, right? That's like, ooh, that's old timey Hollywood. You don't get that level of pettiness anymore. Yeah, thanks, Josh Trank. Good job. You'll never work again. No, um, and he hasn't. He hasn't done anything in forever since no. that, has he? Uh, Zberm, surprised you haven't mentioned Compo Confidential. Enjoy. Uh, and uh, Joshua Wright says, Saw Death of Superman Lives at Ma at Molten Fest. Schneff's Widow introed it and talked about the struggles oh. making it. Just the making of the doc is inspiring. I'd love I to bet. see that. Because like, I saw Same. that doc. It's fine. But like, I would love to see the work that went into it. I hope, I mean, like they have probably a thousand hours of footage mm -hmm. from like because he was a you know he, he he worked only with like youtubers and like you yeah know, these and, and and people like us so like he probably has like all this like great stuff of like him talking to his wife about like the the excitement the the failure the like everything at, oh, yeah. at this point like based on the outpouring of love and support for him i wouldn't be surprised if like they if that wouldn't be successful in some way especially if you made it I, i'd watch it right i'd check it out are you kidding me I mean, I think that's why I like that documentary as much as I do, even just outside, you know, the footage they uncover and the people they talk to. It's like, wow, a dude like me made this. Right. Yeah. Like, that's kind of inspirational. Yeah. He's about my height and my build. Too. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, he was an interesting guy mm -hmm. and, uh, and and had a lot of friends. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, from there, I guess, like, are there any other recommendations you want to make before we wrap up? 
I mean, I think we talked about my whole list. Yeah, we really, really did. I, I, nothing else is coming to my mind oh, right now. You, that's right. I forgot. Not, not just that. I wanted to talk a little bit about its, its applications. Documentaries, right? You expect yes, like yes, that's right. You expect like movies to be made like by movie makers. You expect documentaries to be made by like authorities with like a budget. But like the fact is, not only are all these documentaries available on YouTube, mm-hmm. but there are a thousand more that are like almost documentaries. Yeah, yeah. Made by people like us. Definitely. And. That's kind of where it's headed, I think, is that like totally. like Vice making like documentaries every every episode is a documentary. Mm-hmm. Like there are YouTube channels that are dedicated specifically to like chronicling the history of X. And that oh, X yeah. could be jelly beans or comic <laughs> books and there's quite a few of us out there who are like chronicling shit. Like I oh, wouldn't yeah. call us a documentary thing by any stretch of the imagination, but like, you know, giving a history of a thing and giving firsthand accounts of it is in essence what that spirit of a documentary is. Oh yeah. And there are so many of those people that we know and work with who are, oh, totally. who are doing that. The closest thing to a documentary we ever made was that was our history of Spider-Man's girlfriend's video, which I felt like really good about making. Oh, it's a wonderful video. I, I'll still watch it sometimes if I have questions. Where it's you. like, all right, let's bring, let's Sal tell me about this. Right, because I, I was like, I, I, I was like, if I'm making like the history of all the girlfriends, I gotta pick, I gotta find all of them, which like includes Sissy Ironwood. Like I'm like, and you know, pick music for each decade. I'm like, oh, I'm actually doing a thing here, and I didn't have like. What's more interesting is like uh, n- the, the the interesting thing and the frustrating thing about documentaries from like the inception and from like the the Oscar nominated ones to the ones that we make uh there's no like barrier to entry and there's no like true but what's what and that's great but it's also kind of like you there's no one to check your work no you can still make that movie anyway oh yeah so you know you could have like the history of comic and it's just totally made up and the only thing that's going to stop you is like people who care about that kind of thing Definitely. But what's fun what's fun about that is it reminds me of like literary criticism. Uh, and how it's like if you were to that what back in the day with literary criticism and up until today, if mm-hmm. you like were a critic of something, you wrote like this scathing, long, like you know, manifesto. I'm smarter than the material, let me tell you why. And then there'd be like a similar scathing, like similarly long and in depth condemnation of that review and so it's not so much that you'd see like you know a negative comment but like it's uh, with these kinds of like documentaries that we're seeing the the proliferation of the the best way to combat is to make one yourself and be like nope and it's just i saw this documentary they're wrong here's mine boo and like i think that'd be kind of so much of that Uh, and so and, and there's a noble tradition of doing that Oh yeah. M- might I also compliment the video you did on the Max? As someone who oh, only had you. a passing knowledge of the Max, I not only really liked the new information that I right? gleaned from your video, but also your own personal experience. And I'm like, you know what? We all have a Max in our life, and I think Sal is really letting us know that. Thank here. you. Yeah, it, it, well, and I, yeah, the Max episode of Back Issues isn't so much like a documentary about the Max, so much as it is what the Max meant to me. Mm-hmm. Um, which is still its own kind of documentary, and it's kind of like the perspective of how documentaries go. I would love to actually shoot a real documentary about the Max, where it's like we talk about like where we talk to Keith and we get like all this stuff. I think there'd be something there. I think there's room for that. I mean, like j- 
there are things that need to be highlighted like that. Um, I would, and, and from a third perspective, like it wouldn't be good if like Keith made the documentary or if like Image made the documentary or, yeah, or yeah. IW. Uh, it would have to be like from somebody who cares enough about the material to be like, we're going to tell all of it, not just the good stuff, not just the like, you know, the interesting, like, or not just the profitable stuff. We're going to talk about like the failures or the, or the attempts at like, you know, being greedy and stuff. Like we're going to talk about all of it. Or the very third least, party the perspective stuff. is important. Yeah, exactly. Like, I would love to see like a true Spawn documentary about like the phenomenon yeah. that was Spawn and like where it came from and how it worked and who did what and why and like you know, w- you know, fr- from people who are close to McFarlane to be able to say like, this is what Todd was thinking, this is what he was doing, this is how much influence he actually had over the book. Like, you and know. you know what the sad truth is in situations like that, you're probably not going to get it until McFarlane isn't with us anymore. Right? Because well, because McFarlane is also like smart and a good businessman and tries really mm-hmm. hard to like control his own narrative which is of course very ironic given his opinions about stan and jack yeah, i know um, right so robert core says she makes comics a good look at the industry um if you're not familiar uh they may it's also from sequart or Secart, uh which is that like group on youtube i'm sure you can find it on youtube um where uh, it was a kickstarter documentary about like women in comics Oh, yeah, I remember sharing that Kickstarter. I don't think I ever actually watched the doc. I should. <laughs> well, it's out. <laughs> cool. I will go watch it then. I have so much stuff I want to rewatch right? after this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Lathry says, uh, I really enjoy the high quality content you guys put out. I hope you guys keep up the good work. Can't wait to actually watch the whole video later. Thank you very much, Lathry, and welcome to the show. Hopefully you enjoyed it all and stuck around to catch your comment on the episode. I really appreciate it. And thank you very much for the kind words. Um, so yeah, uh, wrapping that up, I guess we'll just say thanks a lot for watching, everybody. Uh, let us know in your com- in the comments down below what's your favorite comic doc. If you've never seen it, what's one that was that spoke to you from this episode mm-hmm. that you're like, I gotta go check that out. Watch them. The the, the other thing about documentaries that I found is that like most people are like, nah, learning. Like, yeah, ah, yeah, you yeah. can't trick me. They're short. <laughs> they're like 45 minutes to an hour and a half. They're shorter than a feature length film. Like, True. They're short. They're digestible. You could watch a whole bunch of them. Uh, turn them into like a, a, an evening where you like only oh, yeah. watch like a doc, so you can learn more about the industry you you love so much. Totally. Um, I mean, they're not all Ken Burns baseball over here. No, exactly. But like, yeah, exactly. They they could be about something you care about. Mm. <laughs> But uh, we want to thank you so much for hanging out with us. Of course, if you want this conversation to keep going, you don't want it to end, go to patreon.com slash and catch me and Joel talking more mm-hmm. about something else probably, but maybe not. We'll see. We never know until we shoot it. And, uh, it's true. It's an audio-only podcast called One Shots. You can only find over there. Uh, otherwise, the best way to help us out, subscribe to the channel, like this video, help us out, and, uh, and watch more from here. We'll see you guys then. I'm Sal. And I'm Joel. So long, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>